What's up, everybody? Welcome back in. It's the podcast according to sources. I am your guy, Sean Davis. You can find me at SD2Mikes, Twitter, Instagram, Sean Marcel Davis on Facebook. Once again, last night we gave a quick initial reaction on the podcast. We are back for part two to discuss the Chicago Bulls hiring Billy Donovan, former head coach of the Oklahoma City Thunder, now the head coach of your Chicago Bulls. I have with me the best wingman in podcast land. We're always running this three-man weave. On my right, I got Chris Casey at C4 Dunk. And on my left, I got Brian Crawford, B underscore Craw, four, and D. Getting ready to bring it to you. Last night, we gave the initial reaction. But before we get to Brian Crawford's reaction, I'm going to go ahead and dish the ball to both these guys on the wing for the opening layups. We're going to start with you, C4. Here's the mouse pass. I just want to start by talking about probably I want to say just Denver, um, just how impressive the run is. I mean, I think we all expect L.A. to win, but you talk about a team that's been through like a whirlwind of like just emotions throughout the postseason, being down 3-1 twice to Utah and the Clippers having all odds stacked out stacked against you and they continue to just hoop like you really haven't heard like any of the other issues like with other teams where teammates are yelling at one another I mean they've just flat out hooped and I just think going forward next year the future is just very bright for them they're going to be a force in the west probably a long time coming all right coming to the other side with the no look Ooh, BC what you got for your opening layup Man, I don't really have too much or nothing, really. Um, the only thing I saw the other day, I don't know who tweeted it, but they said that the uh, the season next year won't be starting until, like, after January or something yeah, like that. Early 2021, so, yeah. Yeah, so to me, it's like, is the NBA season, like, permanently altered? You know what I'm saying? Like, where it will always start in January because, you know, you're talking about going into the season as, as late as, like, August. You know what I'm saying? Like, playing the finals, so... It's just like what it is. Like are we now we starting to play basketball, NBA basketball in January, which I think is kind of weird because it's going to throw a lot of stuff off, especially if they have like the Summer Olympics and everything like that. So it will be interesting to see like if they stick with that format or if they try to like turn things back around and get the season going back in October. But we'll see. Yeah, it should be interesting. Um, the commissioner did let that uh, news slip out on yesterday. I believe he was talking to Bob Costas. And he mentioned that February 21 might be the launch date. And like you said, that might be the continuing moving forward for the NBA as far as the season. I don't know how the NBA, NBPA is going to receive that moving forward. But there's a lot of things we, we were talking off air about the salary cap that will be impacted. And uh, there's a new uh, CBA coming up as well. So it's a lot of things to unpack for the NBA, uh, the virtual workouts. Uh, was announced uh, coming up in about three weeks for all teams. That's going to be different, you know, teams not being there at the workouts but having to sit back in their offices and watch virtually for the prospects for the upcoming draft. So, yeah, everything is different. It's a new norm, and we'll see how the NBA handles it. So we'll get right to the business at hand. Chicago Bulls hire Billy Donovan as their next head coach. 243 and 157 is his record in the NBA. That's a 60% clip. Regardless of what you think about him, that's pretty good. A guy that can win at a 60% clip in the NBA. 
Uh, one of the things that struck me is that Woj, he broke uh, the news. And this quote, we talk about it, BC. I want to read you this quote, and then I want you to give me your initial reaction on the move. Adrian Wojnarowski, in his article on ESPN.com, according to sources, said that one of the things that was able to get Donovan here is that AK was able to sell Donovan on a partnership and a vision for a talented young roster and a chance to lead one of the league anchor franchises. Wow. Anchor? Anchor. That, that's the word that stuck out for both of us as well. Anchor like brand. like like sinking. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Because I don't know what they anchoring. Um, but I said that though. I'm like, you know, this is that that winning record, you gotta put that in perspective. Because he came in, you know, he had Westbrook, he had Paul George, you know, he had some guys that, you know, that was experienced veterans and everything like that, you know, who had been through the trenches and been through some battles. So that makes his record look good. But you know, as a coach you also saw some of his flaws. And so I think, um, you know, him coming to Chicago was a great situation because, you know, you got a bunch of young guys, a lot of guys fresh out of college. I think with Zach Levine, Otto Porter, um, you know, you got a couple of vets on there, but the team is really young, you know. Um, and so I think that would be a better situation for him because he is coming out of that college environment and he doesn't have anybody who could really push back like these veterans do. Um, I don't really see anything exciting about the roster, but, you know, again, like I said, you know, it's just a better fit for him in terms of personnel that's already there and in terms of the type of coach that he is. So you just parlayed that right into what we want to go ahead and transition into. The question we asked on Facebook, we got a lot of interesting comments. We also put it out there. Twitter, follow us at A2SPod1, A2SPod1. On Instagram and Twitter, follow the podcast being brought to you by Peyton Sports Network. Go to PeytonSportsNet.com. All of our few, uh, past shows are archived right there and will continue to be done that way in the future. Who benefits the most on this roster from Billy Donovan being the new head coach? That's what we put out there. We got a couple of interesting comments saying that Billy Donovan is the one that benefits the most because he got a job. But who on this roster benefits the most from Billy Donovan being the new head coach? I have no idea. I ain't going to even lie to you. I don't even know. Um, because, I mean, it's just it's just the way the roster is built up. Like, like what is he going to do? Like, what's his, you know, what's his coach's plan? What's his style? You know, you got a guy like Russell Westbrook on your roster. You already know what's going to happen. You know, you know who's getting the ball. You know who's taking the shot. Um, I did notice when he was in OKC – um, you know, the big man got phased out a little bit, you know, which is which is kind of weird because I think Stephen Adams was basically a bystander, you know, in the bubble pretty much. He didn't really do anything. He didn't really have a lot of impact. So it's just a matter of, you know, who, how he's going to play it. You know, will he run everything through his guards, you know, kind of like he did in Florida? Um, you know, will he put a lot more energy into Lori and, you know, window so we'll see i don't i honestly don't know who benefits the most i do agree that he benefits because you know he's coming into a good situation in terms of like just the makeup of the team and he's coming into a franchise looking for like a complete rebrand and rebuild so i think that's a good situation for him but as far as like players no idea uh yeah for me i think just right off top i see 
uh, Zach benefiting. I see Laurie benefiting, and I see Kobe benefiting uh, just right at the gate. The reason I say that is because when you look at Laurie, basically regressed last year, and I think one of the conversation is going to be about getting that guy's confidence back up to where it needs to be because in terms of talent, I mean, shouldn't he be the second best player on the team? And there should be no question, you know, about it. But, you know, regress last year, injuries, confidence issues, couldn't find his place in the offense. So I think Billy Donovan will make it a point, you know, to basically see how he can basically put him in uh, better, uh, you know, situations to score. Zach, I think, you know, you already have, you know, kind of like a star or an emerging star you know, in the roster and a guy that can score, getting him easier buckets and finding ways to get him easier shots is going to be a priority. And then when I just think Kobe's going to start, you know, the year off as, you know, that lead point guard, you know, basically when you look at what Billy Donovan was able to do with just Shea there, having him work in tandem with Chris Paul, the player development there. So I think those three just right off the top will benefit the most. But I think having this extended long break and have getting him right in here at this time, having him see what the guy's strengths are, what the weaknesses are, and I can better tailor an offense to them is going to be beneficial. I think there there'll be a lot. They'll probably be based on teamwork more so than you know just leaning too heavily on one guy. Even though Zach is, you know plus 20 points a game easily. I think they'll be based on ball movement, trying to get up and down the floor a lot. So just those three to answer the question, I think benefit immediately, you know, so far. Yeah, uh, they also made a hiring today, Ronya Thernovich as their international scout. Uh, he's been a scout over in Spain 2015 to 2020. So having him on would be very interesting. Right now, man, we're gonna bring in our special guest, NBA TV Zone, Sekou Smith. He's going to join us right here on According to Sources. Sekou, what's up, my brother? You muted. Yeah, I got My bad. My bad. I'm down here in the bubble, man. Everything is crazy down here, dude. <laughs> before, <laughs> my Jackson, before my Jackson State brethren. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Before I get yeah, to the yeah. NBA, I know yeah, you Jackson yeah. State guys are amped about Coach Prime coming down there, man. Like, I just need to invite the homecoming, man, when you face Alcorn. <laughs> well, that's the, Cap that's the Capital City Classic, but you're definitely invited for homecoming whenever we have it. Uh, I'm juiced, man. I'm I'm fired up uh, to have Prime, you know, and then all the guys he's going to bring with him, man. It's putting a, putting a beautiful spotlight on, uh, on that wonderful university on John Island Street in Jackson, Mississippi, man. It makes me swell with pride. I'm... I'm I'm going to be acting a damn fool when I get to the game next year. Let's hop into the news, man. You know, the Chicago Bulls, they went out, got that guy, Billy Donovan. You can, I don't guess you can't call the Chicago Bulls cheap. They're still on the hook for a GM and a head coach, and they went out and got one of the most expensive options on the market in Billy Donovan. So uh, what's the overall reaction down there in the bubble to this move? There is none, and that's that should tell you all you need to know, man. It wasn't a surprise. Um, that the Bulls went in that direction necessarily. A lot of people thought uh, West Ensel Jr. might be the choice, given his connection with Arturis and, uh, you know, in Denver and everything. But B 
Billy Donovan is a known commodity in this league, and you know as well as I do, owners are very comfortable with, with something tangible, something they can look at and go, well, what's this guy's track record? What has he done? But I, but I pose it to y'all. When you hiring a retread coach, you're getting exactly what you already know about him. You're not doing what Brooklyn did when they hired Steve Nash and, and, and giving your fans the excitement of the unknown. Um, so, unfortunately, if you're not a Billy Donovan fan, you're looking at his track record in Oklahoma City and saying, you know, they had some success, but they weren't over-the-top successful, and they didn't really break through until this year when Chris Paul showed up. So, you know, you attribute that to CP3 more than you do Billy Donovan. This, I, I would imagine it's hard to get really fired up in Chicago about Billy Donovan being the Bulls' new coach. I mean, it's not a lot of excitement that I saw. You know, it was kind of like flat. You know, a lot of people was like, whatever, you know. But I think a lot of that has to do with just the fact that the team has been bad for so long. There's really no expectations, which I think kind of benefits him. Like, you know, you can't come in and say, all right, well, we're going to win right away. Well, you know that's not going to happen. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, what's the goal? Do you want to win 40 games? Do you want to make the playoffs? It just it really just depends on what it is. But, nah, there's not a lot of excitement. Like, it was – it was flat, you know, it was split. You know, the only thing everybody could agree on was that Billy Donovan was better than Jim Boyden. That was it. Right, right. Well, look, I will tell you this. You know, Donovan is at least a guy who's shown you that he can coach a team, um, you know, into the postseason. And that's something that's got to be at least a little something to hang on if you're a Bulls fan is knowing that you're getting a guy who's been a playoff coach in this league. And he had immense success in the, at the collegiate level. Nobody's doubting that, but – you know, is it really about the coach or is it the makeup of the roster? Is it the job the front office has done? Is it ownership? You know, we still haven't done an autopsy on the Bulls yet, you know, thoroughly to know exactly what it is that's been ailing them all these years. I think it's unfortunately a combination of all those things that haven't been a good fit. And when you, you know, in this league, if you're not getting better every season, if your young players aren't growing and developing in the right way, you're not adding the proper pieces to it and you don't have a coaching staff, that's pushing that envelope, it's going to be very difficult to compete in this league, man. You look around at the teams that are that are flourishing, young teams, you know, Denver, you know, coming through with organic grab, you know, draft picks, homegrown talents that they've developed. Um, you think about what Utah's done. You, you look at some of the other teams around the league that have, have taken that, that next step, and it's usually that similar formula of, you know, homegrown picks, fantastic player development program, um, you know, or you get lucky and get a superstar, and and, and lucking in the superstars is more and more difficult in this day and age. Once again, we have Seiko Smith NBA TV right here, the podcast, according to sources. You talked about sticking with a guy that you're comfortable with or making moves that you pretty much know what you're going to get. There was a pre-existing relationship as rivals going back to the Big East and probably – in executive circles in the offseason with these two talking about AK and also Billy Donovan. How much do you think that played into what they were going to make, the move they were going to make, and if Billy Donovan didn't become available, in your mind, is there one guy that would have been the pick, would have been Wes Unsell Jr.? Do you think that's the guy they were waiting on? And because the Denver Nuggets continue to stay in the bubble, in the uh, bubble playoffs, that kind of push back the timeline that they could be have a chance to talk to him. Yeah, I don't think it helped uh, Wes's chances. I think, you know, you're basing that on his, like I said, his connection with Arturis. Um, 
you know, Mike Malone has certainly been adamant that Wes Unsell Jr. is, is ready for his own show. He, you know, he's put in the work, put in that grind behind the scenes. You know, and, and sometimes the timing is just not right. Um, I think another guy who should have been high on that list and should be high on anybody's list is Dave Vanderpool. Um, another young brother that's really been, you know, one of those guys who's for years been digging in as an assistant coach and has yet to get his opportunity as a head coach. But but certainly, man, this this is a league that I think we over overvalue sometimes the name brand of coaches and don't really appreciate what a guy like Nick Nurse has done, um, you know, in terms of just coming in, willing to do whatever it takes to get a team to respond and, and push itself. Mike Malone, as I mentioned, is a similar guy who had been an assistant for years before he got his shot. And, and certainly in Sacramento, I thought they, they played himself, you know, played him kind of foul. But he comes to Denver and, and in five years has built this thing into a program that's prepared to play, you know, in the, in the conference finals. So I, I'm I'm a bigger advocate for something fresh, something new, as opposed to just always going to the well and, and dealing with coaches who have been in the league. And that's not to knock them. It's only to say that this, this is a league where you're either playing the default setting that everybody else is. You're shooting threes and you're trying to get up and down the floor and you're using analytics as a crutch. Or you find somebody that's got some something different to them in the way that they approach the game and how they're gonna uh, you know execute things on the court. The give you a prime example: the Los Angeles Clippers never switched up in their series against the Nuggets. They couldn't figure out what you know a different stroke or something they could do different. They lost three straight games to the Nuggets in the same fashion down here. Mike Malone, when he's back out against the wall against the Lakers, he, he threw PJ Dozier in the game. You know, dude, nobody else would have used at that time. And that's what I'm talking about. Nick Nurse throwing, the, you know, those funky defenses in into the mix last year for Toronto. That's what a young coach or a new coach with fresh ideas and with his own outlook on the league does. Not with a guy who's been in the system as a head coach for as long as some of these guys have. They're not going to go outside of the normal playbook for your team. And I think that's dangerous when you're talking about a young team trying to develop. Yeah, how how – important do you think it was that they actually got a guy with experience i mean we look at the previous two coaches and hoiberg and boylan first head coaching experience do you think that played in any type of impact instead of going with one of those coaches who'll get that first start yeah i think that's the kind of security that ownership is always looking for yeah they want something that's going to make them feel good it's why you know you see coaches in other sports get hired based on the relationship they have with the owner. I, I don't need the I don't need my owner to love the coach. Yeah. I need I need my owner to understand that the coach has a purpose and that he's there to connect with the players. Like I, I need a coach that's gonna be able to go into my locker room and motivate guys to play above and beyond whatever their station is in the league. When you find a guy like that, when you find somebody who can take a Jeremy Grant and, and make him the type of player that Denver has when they grab him from Oklahoma City um and then infuse him into their lineup and you see the guy go out last night, get 26, guarding LeBron and AD, that's that's coaching, man, because all these guys are talented. It's not like there's somebody running around this league that has no talent. But it's it's finding the right kind of coach to to put his hands on a guy and put him in positions to be successful. That's the difference. And, and I think that's what you get in a coach who's not constrained by his name or his brand or whatever, you know, whatever people might call it. Um you know, that, that's what you get when you get somebody that's off that path. I, you know what? I consider uh, Billy Donovan to be 
a player development guy versus an X's and O's guy. And when you look at the Bulls roster, say, cool, do you think that's what they needed? Do you think they need more player development? Or do you think, do you think they need somebody who can actually coach? I think they need both. I think you need somebody like Nick Nurse who's going to be um, vigilant about the player development component of your program. And really that's the GM's job yep. as much as it is a coach's job. Your GM has to be the guy that's really drilled in on player development. That's why Toronto has been so good at, at unearthing guys like Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam because Masai Ujiri is the best in the business. You know, he's the guy who knows the game globally and is not afraid to go out and unearth talent in places that you don't normally find it. You look at some of these franchises and all they do is, is draft, you know, college players from blue blood programs because they think we're getting winners that we're bringing in our program. Man, that's, that's one of the most foolish, misguided ways of building a team in today's professional sports environment that I could ever imagine. I mean, you gotta, you have to have a real understanding, not just the eye for talent, but an understanding of talent, how it fits into your system. And, and do you have the kind of components you need to make sure they're successful? Um, once you do that, you can find coaches, player development coaches, whatever, that fit the framework of what you put together as a franchise. And that's why I say a lot of this is not on the coach. It's not on the players and the town. It's on the GM. It's on whoever has the ultimate say in building that team, man. You look around, the Lakers, you know, look at the last four teams playing right now. Lakers, Celtics, you know, the Nuggets, and, and the Heat. I mean, all of them are organic organizations where they're building the team from the ground up, basically. The Lakers do it different. They go out and get what they want, you know, because it's L.A. But Boston's team is largely organic, built from the ground up. Kimber Walker, obviously, some other pieces added. But it's, it's, it's largely built that same exact way. Oh, damn. Here, here come the bus, guys. I'm, I hope I don't get cut off with the bus going to the arena. It's pulling up now. I got to get on this joint. So y'all y'all bear with me. I hope I don't get cut off. Uh, you good. We're going to let you go in a hot second. But before we let you go, man, we see guys like Nate McMillan, Alvin Gentry losing their job. And um, we had openings in New Orleans. We have openings in Indiana. And to see that Tom Thibodeau got the job in New York and to see that Chicago went ahead and got a retread in Billy Donovan, how disconcerting is it that black coaches are being let go and not being given equal opportunities to get these new jobs and new positions that become available? Yeah, that, that's a great point, given this time and space that we're in right now, this this social justice era, and, uh, you know, where, where I, I think we call this the empowerment era in the NBA. And, you know, you wonder who's pushing that envelope for coaches, you know, who's out there advocating for coaches. I think, you know, a lot of that comes from the players. You know, you got to have players who are advocating for guys, certain guys. Um, Steve Nash, you know, wouldn't have gotten that Brooklyn job if, if Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant were vehemently against it or if they'd have voiced opposition to him getting that job. So um, I think it's disappointing in that you don't have players advocating for guys that I mentioned, like Dave Vanderpool or, or Wilson So Jr. You know, you got to have some superstar, transcendent type players, you know, backing you sometimes in order for you to get those opportunities. That's what it takes. Um, you know, the, the system, the system hasn't changed. You know what I mean? It's, it's still systemic in terms of how this league is built and how a lot of structures are built in professional sports. So it's, you know, it's not, it's not so much disheartening as it is disappointing that, that you don't see more change in that, in that part. 
Well, I just hope to, to your point about the Blue Bloods, I hope the Bulls get off that Blue Blood stuff because that's the last thing we need is another Duke dude in here, man. <laughs> now, look, I, I like Wendell Carter now. I, I really do. I, I know he's had some injury issues and stuff, but I like the talent, you know, and that's what I'm saying. Like, you got to not only be talented, you got to have guys with the right kind of work ethic. Like, I, I look at Miami's team and just kind of the way they've collectively built a group around Jimmy Butler. Um, and a lot of those pieces were in place before he got there. But what they got was a like-minded group of guys who wanted to, you know, work in a certain way and, and grind. And uh, that's got to be something that's that's going top down. You know, your best players, you know, whether they get it from the coach or whether they just have it innately, you know, you got to have guys that are willing to put in the kind of work it's going to take to get you to this level. And I don't know if you can see it on television, but the one thing the bubble has given us, man, is to strip down all this other stuff and really shown us and reminded a lot of us just how talented these guys are and just how hard they go, man. This, this is a different level of basketball that's going on in the playoffs right now compared to what you see during a regular season. And uh, and you get reminded of that every year come playoff time, that these guys, there's a reason they're still playing. They're playing harder, smarter, and uh, and better than everybody else in the league. All right, Seiko Smith from NBA TV. Again, we appreciate you joining us, bro, right here. The podcast according to sources. Hold on, hold on. I got I got to get your finals pick. Say cool. Who you got for the whole thing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look. On paper, we I think we all think the Lakers are the most talented team. Um, I think it's going to be a much more difficult grind for whoever wins this thing. It's the the combination of the circumstances and and the length of time they've been down here in the bubble in Orlando. It's, it's without doubt taking a toll on all these teams. Um, I think the Lakers are the, the most talented team here. I think Miami is the, the grimiest team here. And I think Boston and, and Denver share equal status as, as upset-minded groups that, that could get on the roll and potentially knock this whole thing upside down. But if I had to pick right now just on paper, I'm, I'm definitely going to say, you know, how do you – how do you go against LeBron and AD when they're the two best players on any one team that's still alive? I think they're by far the two best. Hey, man, uh, BCJ, have they uh, hit you guys up for uh, endowment checks, man? What? <laughs> no, not yet, man. <laughs> the, email, the emails for alumni contributions went out two minutes after Prime got on stage and started showing up that time with his full coat, man. I, I looked at my inbox. And they was already asking for more money, man. My wife was in a lot of We traded some texts laughing about it. She was like, oh, they want money now, huh? I said, yeah, somebody got to pay this, pay this man's salary. Uh-huh. Yeah, you're not alone. JP hit me, man. He told me to tell you what's up, but JP hit me and said they hit his mom up. So Same deal. You know man. they did. Same deal. Seku Smith NBA TV. You can follow him, Seku Smith NBA, on Twitter and Instagram. Hey, brother, stay safe, man. We'll talk to you soon. Appreciate y'all. Know that. All right, bro. Yes, sir. Man, Saquon Smith, he dropped some jewels right there. And I think it is, you know, when you look at the overall big picture, man, uh, I think the way things played out, I do believe the relationship with Wes Unsell Jr. and uh, AK would have been a factor, especially if Denver had gone home and the Clips had continued on. But Billy Donovan, he becomes available. As I said before, they were rivals in the Big East. Billy Donovan was at Providence and AK was at Seton Hall. They had their relationship. Uh, Billy Donovan played overseas. AK was overseas. That relationship was still there during their playing days. And then once 
they became executives in the NBA. They continued that relationship. So it was an area of comfort for both of them. And it was something that fit, as Sekou said, what these NBA owners like and what they're used to. Uh, I guess Jerry Reinsdorf and Michael Reinsdorf probably felt, look, if we're going to be on the hook for two GMs and two coaches at the same time, it's going to be a guy that we're extremely comfortable with. And Billy Donovan ended up being the guy. So uh, the fact that Sekou said there's no buzz around this move down in the NBA bubble, it moved the meter. It, didn't move the meter at all. I mean, it didn't. It didn't move the meter nowhere. Like really and truly, like it wasn't. I mean, it was big news, obviously, because it's Billy Donovan and the Bulls and everything like that. But it didn't change nothing. You know what I'm saying? It's not like when they brought in Tibbs. You know, they kind of had a little bit of buzz to it because you know, obviously, he's coming from Boston with the championship pedigree and stuff like that. He was kind of, you knew what type of coach he was. You knew what he was gonna bring. Um, and obviously, they had success. But we've already seen Billy Donovan. You know, we've seen his coaching style. We've seen what he can do, and, and we know this is not college. So, and you know, and he's not. Uh, I don't know. I'm just in wait and see mode, really. I I really didn't want to mess up the vibe because that was a great interview you gave us, man. Good information. I wanted to ask him about the vibe and the mood down there around the players, concerning what we uh, saw take place today and uh, Kentucky concerning Breonna Taylor with none of the officers being uh, indicted or charged directly. One of the officers was charged for firing into uh, a neighbor's house. And uh, disappointment, I don't even think that's the word I can use. I'm just at the point now, you see, we could talk about this constantly, man, where you're not surprised and it's just par for the course. Is literally yeah. par for the course. You just move around 18 holes, 72, go back to T1, and go through the same process, man. It's par for the course. And uh, I expect nothing less, man. So, I mean, you know, it, these things, I'm going to move, you know what I'm saying? Because you never expect, I mean, we've seen too much happen where police have gotten off for things that they're clearly guilty of. Yeah. And this is no different. And, you know, it's just, it's just kind of one of them things where you don't really, like, you don't even expect police to get in trouble no more for doing stuff like that, especially not to a black person. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, the the worst part for us, I mean, just as men, you know, black people in general, it's just, this is like normal. You know, you're expecting, you're hoping for the best, but you kind of have it in the back of your head what the reality is going to be. So it's sad that, you know, we hear news like that and it's upsetting, but it's kind of just like we kind of figured, you know, that would be the result. Um, it was just sad, you know, but, you know, I think hopefully like the seats and everything have been planted, you know, just with George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, um, just to get some institutionalized uh, changes coming because that's what we need. We need systematic changes, you know, and I hope like even though there's really no justice in this situation, uh, I just hope that, you know, the seeds have been laid just for like future generations, just so some things, cause, so this doesn't become like the norm for us. This doesn't, you know, this doesn't just, we go on to the next thing, waiting for the next person to be, um, you know, tragically and senselessly murdered. So I just hope like the seeds of change have been planted. 
Well, I think I think I think the harsh reality is, you know, for black people is we don't get justice, but we'll get some bread. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And that and, and that's what it is. When they when they gave Breonna Taylor's family that twelve million dollars, or when they gave, I believe it was Philando Castile's family up in Minnesota like five million dollars, you know what I'm saying? That's basically take this bread, not even I'm sorry. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Just take this bread and you know, just move on with your lives. And so that's kind of that's kind of the reality for us in these situations we won't we won't get justice you know we might be lucky to get a check you know and that's it man for me it's been tough the last uh i would say three four hours because i immediately received a phone call from my daughter who's a college student out in california and she is just now she's always had a consciousness and a conscious when it comes to who she is even though we raised her to be a really good human being and to judge people by the content of their character rather than their color. But now she's starting to really come into understanding her history, uh, understanding who she is. One of the first classes she signed up for was the black, uh, black history of black women in society at her college. That was one of the first classes she picked and she was just super excited. She's like, dad, it's my favorite class. The professor, the professor gives us like 10 books to read per week, but yo, the knowledge that I'm gaining and the person is turning me into, I just really appreciate this and the foundation that you and mom laid for me. But when you hear news like this, you get that phone call from her because in her mind, she's feeling like that her, what she does and what her generation is trying to do in protesting and going out and voting, this would be her first election voting. And uh, to hear the disappointment in her voice, almost feeling like what she does doesn't make a difference. And she's just beginning her journey. That's what bothers me the most, you know, cause you plant the seed and you tell her that you can make a difference if you live life this way and you operate and walk in these beliefs and you treat people a certain way, you can change things in the world. And to see her disappointment and what went down today. Yeah. That's what that's what got me the most because I you know I'm at a point in my life as you said BC I don't expect anything else, but for her I do still want there to be some type of promise and hope for her to reach for and walk towards in her life and that took a huge blow today she's she her hope and expectation for life moving forward I think she took a couple of steps back but I did enough to encourage her to say hey don't be moved keep doing what you're doing. Eventually, you're going to make a difference with your life and in your community and for black people moving forward. So hopefully all young people out there will continue to do the same, man, and won't be discouraged uh, from the path that they're on and continue to go after greatness because it's definitely within your grasp. The podcast, according to sources. Did you guys uh, get a chance to uh, vibe to anything, flavor in your ear this past week? Oh, you already know what I'm listening to, baby. Nothing but the hey, nothing but the machine. That lemon, that lemon video is man. Super dope. Super dope. Shout out to the machine. Shout out to to Cal. Met the stallion one. Wu Tang man, that dude. He he he, look, brought, he brought Method Man back to his bag. Look, I knew we had a winner when Bang said he was convinced. I yes. was like, hey, that's all I need to hear. I've been telling you that for like three years. You know what I'm saying? Right. I've been telling you that for three years. I got to check that out. Yeah, you got to look at it. It's a great, man, it's a great project. How, where would you rate it? 
amongst all the Griselda projects? Oh, that's tough, man. Uh, I was wondering, like, man, did this crack my top three? I don't know, man, because it's like they don't they don't really let me down. Um, and I don't want to be like a you know like a like a sucker for recency bias. Right. But I would definitely I would definitely probably put it top three. You know, it's up there with like Tana Talk. You know what I'm saying? Like that was before this came out. Tana Talk was probably the best project they had came out on Gazelda. So this is definitely up there. And you know, not take nothing from West Side Gun. You know, I find his albums to be more just like entertaining, like when I'm in that mood, you know what I'm saying? Just to just listen to somebody just talk about everything and nothing at the same time. But like when I want to hear bars, you know, I sat in the Conway and Benny. So I mean, if you put it in your top three Griselda projects, I wouldn't be mad at that. C4 flavor in your ear this past week. Man, I haven't been listening to anything new at all. I've just been like in basically grind mode. So I really haven't been listening to anything new at all. The C4 grinding, man. Great article where he spoke to Kobe White. Kobe White's getting that ball this year, man. BC, you might not like it. You <laughs> might not like it. He's in the rock. It's his you too. You know his brother's if, coming for you too. Listen, <laughs> if Lamelo, look, if Lamelo falls to the Bulls at number four, I come back to Chicago and help his brother pack. <laughs> Straight up. Oh man! Hey, you know what? The more I look at these mock drafts, it's possible, yo. It is possible. And Charlotte, but Charlotte three. I can definitely see if Wiseman is there at three. He's gonna take Wiseman. Yeah. Hey, Jordan, like I said, man. Because he does look, I'm not calling him LaMelo, but Devontae Graham, you know, shout out to LeBron for giving him props in his whining session. But Devontae Graham has improved. They got Rozier down there as well. Another guy he's gonna get they finna get him up out of there. They don't yeah. need him now. No, at all. So mm -mm. Man, I and shout out to uh, one thing I will say. Bradley Bill has that player option there, bro. You know, you seen my tweet on that the other day. Like, I feel like him and Zach is a wash. You know, obviously it's, it's good <laughs> because you know you yeah, I feel like they're a wash. Yeah, I don't think I don't think like they're a wash. Do I feel they're a wash? Yeah. No, not at all. I think Brass uh, the better player. Uh, I think okay. the one thing that separates them two is like Zach still is searching, you know, for his like his easy buckets. Keep in mind, Brad has pretty much had the he's basically had a defined role with John there. So he used to be just a kickout guy, and he's had he's developed over the years to where now he has his sweet spots and everything. I think Zach has kind of been thrust into this. All right, we really don't know if you're the guy, but you know you can score. So here, take the ball. But you can see, I think the there's like a this internal thing in the organization where they want to push Laurie to at least like one A. So, but yeah, in terms of like who's better, I think Brad is definitely the better player. No, I'm not talking about better. I'm talking about in terms of like the impact on the team. Okay. You know, I don't know. I don't know if. Brad Bill is any different from Zach Levine when in terms of helping you win games. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think they both need other pieces around them in order to make their games better. Otherwise, you're just sitting around watching the score. 
podcast according to sources. Go to PeytonSportsNet.com. Brought to you by Peyton Sports Network. That's where we live and breathe right now. You can follow all the archive previous podcasts right there. And we are still streaming on all digital platforms. Uh, BC, pop that P, baby. Come on, man. Don't even talk to me about that, dude. <laughs> According to sources. Now, this is crazy. Chris Haynes had a report on Yahoo before we get out of here that he was trying to give a speech post-game game Sunday encouraging everybody to work hard in the offseason, come back. Uh, they have a lot of free agents. Commit to this team. Commit to the process. They can win a title. And he was getting nothing but eye rolls during his I mean, I mean, dude, if this dude, Stephen A. said he might end up being next to White Howard, dude. Nah, I don't know about that. But this has been Paul George since Indiana. Well, he got a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of mouth and talk, but he just can't deliver and, you know, he obviously gets treated like a superstar and carries himself like one, but you don't really get those same results. And I don't know who's, I don't know who said it, but Kawhi deserves a little bit of the blame because of the simple fact that he, as for as great as he is, I don't know if he's actually a leader. And we know Paul George is not a leader. Yeah. And I don't think that team really had anybody. No, this is not like, Kawhi going to Toronto where you know like the guy the heart and soul of your team is Kyle Lowry you know what I'm saying like that's a little bit different and so I think you know I think Kawhi probably learned a little bit too but you know when Paul George made those comments about you know his mental state and being in the bubble and all of that type of stuff I was I ain't got nothing for that dude man nothing like he can hoop great player but like he can't be your best player he can't be your superstar because your team ain't gonna really do too much yeah, I mean, I didn't take that article with uh, too much seriousness just because I think, you know, guys are upset that they're lost and nobody really wants to hear those end of, you know, the season like that right. or something. something. Yeah, nobody wants to hear that. Like, hey, guys, let's stick together, you know, especially, you know, from a guy who's billed as, you know, you're one of your superstars and, you know, up until really the second round series, like had played poorly. So, I mean, but you look, there's blame to go around all over that place. You, Montrez Harrell never looked good uh, mm -hmm. back into the bubble. Lou Williams. Williams never looked good coming back into the bubble. Pat Bev really didn't look good, you know, after yeah. coming back from injury. Kawhi basically carried, you know, them through that first round series, and Luca was giving them the business. Yeah. Like, business. Around, so. Right. And Paul George, you're supposed to be a defensive player. He just lighting both of y'all up, man. So. Man, it's ridiculous. But yeah, it's blame to go around and all that. I think this will be good for them. Hopefully, it brings them closer together. I don't think there's any. I've seen articles where you know it's been talking about blow the team up. I was just like, no. I mean, I don't just, think you blow it up. But you, yeah. think, you have to think Trez is gonna get a bag though. Well, of course, of course somebody's gonna get Trez a bag. They, they got the money to keep them there, like in LA. But I think you you bring this team together for another year. I mean, I think Kawhi and Paul. You know, they can opt out after the following season. But, yeah, I mean, it just didn't go well. They didn't make adjustments, you know, after Denver started you know, gaining momentum. So it's blame to go all the way around. Doc, players, like, there's blame to go all the way around. So hopefully those guys just look in the mirror this offseason. Hopefully this brings them closer together, like that first year where Wade, Bosch, LeBron were in Miami and, you know, go on your run next year. As we're ready to get out of here, man, and we thank everybody for joining us, man. See all the comments on Facebook Live. 
uh, Dana Johnson saying it's a good short short term move. Uh, I've got Corey Moses saying, "What's up, guys? We appreciate everybody that shared the podcast, and we appreciate Seku Smith from NBA TV joining us today." BC, I'm gonna sit this one on the tee for you, baby. Pull out your pull out your driver. Hit this cards. <laughs> I already know where you're gonna go. This might be our truth and tra- truth or trash for the day. We all saw what LeBron James had to say concerning receiving 16 votes, first place votes for the MVP voting. We know the rant he went on about narratives. You, Steve and myself have always discussed narratives and whether it's voting, whether it's analytics, we know the narratives exist, especially in today's blog, NBA blogger, and just the media overall. But isn't it ironic that the person that delivered that message would be LeBron James, when in my opinion, his entire career has been built on narratives? Man, I don't even know what to say about that, man. I just, I would just advise that brother to really read the autobiography of Michael Malcolm X and stop fronting <laughs> like he do with everything else. That's all I really got to say about that, man. Like, like you said, like his whole career has been built on narratives. His whole, he's just not used to like not being the dude. And like, if he don't, you know, if he don't, if he not in them conversations, if he not at the top of everything, I think it kind of rubs him the wrong way. And he says things, he talks out of both sides of his mouth. You know, he says things that don't really make no sense and make you look at him like sideways. The narrative comment was super crazy because he's been writing narratives basically the last 10 or 15 years, probably his entire career. You know what I'm saying? So, like, don't get mad now because the narrative didn't swing your way. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't do that. Like, that's that, you know, that just that just really adds to, like, the list of things that I just don't like about him. So, you know, I take I take everything LeBron say really with a grain of salt. You know, I'm. I'm just waiting on dude to get up out the league. I ain't gonna lie to you. I'm tired of him. I mean, I was shocked the way he threw in C4. I'll get your comments. The thing that upset me the most is like before the game, you say you're about winning a championship, you don't care. They ask you after the game, you go on this narrative rant and how the media is all about narratives. But then you want to pull out Marcus Hall and use him as an example. And that year, that whole defensive center. Uh, position was like a log jam. You know, yeah, I agree with him there. I agree yeah, with him there. I'm not saying agree, disagree, what, whatever. Because I think Joe, for me, that was one of Joe King's best seasons mm-hmm. on both ends of the floor. And I understand why Joe King ended up getting first team, being tied for first team at that position that year. And I, yeah, you look at it and you say, man, how can Mark Casal be the player of the year? Yeah, there was a narrative, but let's not talk about Mark Casal as if he's not in the top five of blocked shots and rim protection since he's gotten into the NBA. Like, if you watch the game, you know that's part of his game is defending the rim. It always has been. Now he has slowed down and he's become a defensive liability with Toronto, especially in pick and roll because he can't move as good. And the NBA has gone to the pick and roll more and more than it was when he originally came into the league. But just making it seem like there's no way uh, Marcus Paul could receive any votes or just kind of throwing that out there. I'm like, man, I agree, though. I don't I don't. 
Use your soul. The one narrative that he's still upset about, it's not even this year. The one up narrative he's still upset about is 2012 and the fact that Derek got that MVP. It still still bothers him. So, he's I don't there. think that bothers him. I don't yeah. think that. I think that. I think that bothers everybody else other than him. Yeah. But you know, to the that. yeah, to the Marcus right. point, I don't see him as a defensive player. I never had. You know what I'm saying? When he got that award, I was like, how? I didn't. I didn't understand that. Like you was on a good. That entire team played defense well. Marcus Saul is not a good defensive player well, because if he was, that's why he I, wouldn't, he that's wouldn't why I disagree. That's why I disagree because Zach wasn't protecting the rim. Zach was never going to protect the rim. Nobody was protecting the rim. He was a rim protector. He's top five and block shots annually. Mm. In his prime. Annually. So, I mean, to say he doesn't protect the rim just because he's not the archetype of defensive Patrick Ewan, Rudy Gobert, block shot guy, the uh, athletic guy at the rim. Nah, man. I didn't see it. I still don't see yeah. it. That right there, that, that award right there is, is real suspect. Yeah, no, that was, I agree. I yeah. agree. I just didn't like I just didn't like the example because I'm like, man, don't pick on that dude. Pick on somebody. But it was a good example though. Yeah. I disagree. Yeah. He, I don't the fact the fact is he felt like he should have been the MVP. And he tiptoed around it. Don't talk about the 16 votes. Think about I got 16 yeah. votes. No, you thought you should have been MVP. Say it. Don't tiptoe around it. Talk about the narrative. Talk about the Milwaukee Bucks in the narrative. That's what you're upset about. Don't bring Marcus all into this conversation, regardless of whether or not that was the case. Man, get that out of here, dude. You could have brought some <laughs> to the conversation if that's the case. That Marcus Hall thing was a great example, though. You wanted, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it was low hanging fruit. There were bigger examples. He could have used better examples, in my opinion, other than Marcus Hall and Defensive Player of the Year. It's like, man, miss me with that. I mean, but think, think about being LeBron. Even let's go to and not comparing them at all. So I don't want nobody to comment. Think about like Jordan, Shaq, Kobe. You have these guys who essentially can win that award every single year mm-hmm. and these guys are highly competitive you can easily say nobody puts in more work in terms of preparation and into their body than lebron james fast will be doing this at year 17 so you have to take that into the mindset too when he's saying anything imagine year 17 you're still this productive you're leading the league in assists and then you know and I think it's watching Giannis struggle in the playoffs. Can't get a shot at the end of games. And you only get 16 first place votes. Like go back to the go back to Jordan, go back to Shaq. How many MVPs could these guys easily have won? And there would have been no argument about it. So you have to take into that account. He probably feels like he should have eight MVPs by now, if not more. Jordan probably feels like he should have literally 10, 12. They all do. Kobe feels Kobe probably should have had more. That's what I'm saying. So yeah, and, and these are questions being asked to guys like in the moment, right after a, a win or something like that, and the news is coming out that Giannis has won his his second MVP when he's watching. You know, so it, it's a lot to take in right now. So I really don't judge anything that these guys say because if it's right after a game, you haven't really had time to really process everything he may say it differently the next day as opposed to right after a win russell westbrook is his boy right him and russell westbrook are cool right who lebron 
they, they I hang didn't out. know that. Yeah, they hang out. They've been hanging out. They're, they're okay. spouses are, are real cool. Russell Westbrook has been over his crib, IG and all of that at dinner, Taco Tuesday. Russell Westbrook was a narrative-driven MVP. No, he wasn't. Oh, absolutely. He was the first person to have a triple-double in 30 coming years. Off, coming off KD, going to Golden State. And everything he's the first person to have a triple-double and the triple, yeah, the triple double was fine. Wait, 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 wait. He averaged a triple double, first one in 32 well, years. Well, they lost, they lost Kevin Durant. No, 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 no. They lost Kevin Durant and he still Facts. made the playoffs. Facts. You gonna get MVP for that? Facts. You can be narrative driven with numbers. LeBron puts up numbers, his whole career is narrative driven. The guy came on his own show on HBO and said, because he came back on Golden State. 3-1, or being down 3-1, that should trump anything Michael Jordan has done. He's the GOAT. Out of his own mouth. If that's not that's a narrative, a, I don't know what else is. That's just LeBron talking. That ain't got nothing to do with narrative. I don't think nobody agree with that except him. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just him talking. Look, man, we know what it is, man. Everything in this league is a narrative, especially in the media. Media is about Ramona Shelburne, she said it. She said it out her mouth. She was like, I am a narrative-driven yeah. voter. Absolutely. I think, I think most of these, most of like these people that are voting, a majority of them are narrative driven. You know, that's just how it is. I mean, if you want to go back to like the award, then fine. But like, yeah, most of these guys who are voting, they're narrative driven. Podcast according to sources, right there, man. Look, I just had to get that out. I just find it ironic that LeBron is the one. Delivering that message, but like you said, BC, whatever the message is, he always has to be at the forefront of it. Man, don't take nothing that dude say seriously, man. He just be talking. And look, man, just, just, be just because the man just started reading the book, man, don't don't. He didn't him. read it. That's 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 just another one of them. You can add that to the long list of pictures of LeBron reading the first page of books. You know what I'm saying? You saw that meme? LeBron, pictures of LeBron just reading the first page of books. That's just all it was, man. That's all it was. Don't take that serious. I don't. Oh, man. <laughs> well, the next time we talk to you guys, man, hopefully Billy Donovan will have met with the media here in Chicago. We'll have more for you. Uh, we'll try to get some info on what's going on with the mini bubble, um, the Bulls mini bubble. and uh, There's nothing going on there. Uh, you know, you're right. My, matter of fact, we might have just get deeper into the draft, I guess, next time we talk <laughs> yeah, and then NBA Finals because it's all about the draft pick Bulls at number four. And uh, Bye, Kobe. <laughs> Bye, Kobe. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I'm going to hold you to that, bro. If you're going to pack his hey, bag. For him, I will help and put it in the car. You know what I'm saying? Everything. Whatever he need. I got him. Him and his brother. I can go with that. Since since we're not going to get me along at the UC, since uh, Emmy Adoka didn't get the job, and that won't be me along at the United Center. I, I, can, I get Tracy Edmonds. Yes, you do. <laughs> Shout, out. Shout out to Tracy Edmonds, man. Did you get a chance to uh, speak to her or see her in person? No, nah, I, I wasn't there that day. Unfortunately, I was work. I was I was stuck in the studio. I wasn't there. Coach Prime, boy. Coach Prime. Coach I'm here for it, though. All day. But my guys, Chris Casey, that C4 dunk, Brian Crawford down there. 
WJTV producer. C4, what do you have on deck, man? I know you got the Kobe White piece, as I said before. Anything you're working on right now? Uh, currently, not not right now anymore. Uh, everything's basically done, but that's always liable to change with the drop of a hat. We know the big project that you're a part of, BC. Oh, I got another one. I got another one. This just came up, so I'm gonna be. Um, I'm actually working on a book for the King Center, the Martin Luther King Jr. Center. So uh, it's gonna be a social justice book, physical copy and digital copy. Uh, working on that right now, so that'll be out hopefully before the election, maybe after. But it'll be a dope project. I'll let y'all know when it's done. I'm a little passionate about LeBron, man. I've, I've, he's turned me to the dark side on him, fellas. I'm sorry, man. I, it's well, to tell you, man, I, I used to defend the kid, but recent actions, yeah. man, have just kind of turned me to the dark side. Like it's almost like everything he says and does just irritates me now. Hey, man, you, so just, you just, you just, you just late to the party. I am. I guess <laughs> only entertainment, man. Man, you can't, you can't call me no hater no more. <laughs> hey, man. Podcast according to sources, as I said before, brought to you by Peyton Sports Network. Go to PeytonSportsNet.com, and we are streaming on all digital platforms as always, man. Three dudes that love the game, from the game, talking the game. is what we do each and every week. We'll see you next time when we get into the NBA Finals. This is the podcast, podcast according to sources.